Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Bucks host the Rams in the NFC Divisional Playoff at Raymond James Stadium. Sunday, it's going to be on. Uh, the winner goes, of course, to the NFC Championship game, which could also be right here in Tampa, depending on Saturday's game between Green Bay and San Francisco. A rematch of an earlier game, of course, in September that the Bucks lost 34-24 in Los Angeles. But the Bucks are pretty good with the, when it comes to rematches, as a matter of fact, and we'll talk all about that. We've also got uh, Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times is going to join us to talk about the death of the sister city plan with Montreal. Major League Baseball has killed that. Stuart Sternberg answered a lot of questions. What's the future of the Rays in St. Petersburg? Is this a, or Tampa Bay for that matter, is this a good or a bad thing for Rays baseball fans in the Tampa Bay area? We'll delve all into that here in just a minute. Uh, Remember now, one event that does have a lot of footing and does very well is the uh, Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. The 18th annual is being presented by RP Funding. That's going to happen this year, February 25th to the 27th. So new dates and times. The temporary circuit, 1.8 miles, 14-turn configuration. They use the streets uh, circling Pioneer Park, the Duke Energy Center for the Arts, the Daly Museum. And, of course, it extends all the way under the runways at Albert Whitted Airport. So visit GP stpete.com that's gpstpete.com for race information and ticket prices all right mark topkin joins us now and uh, mark i must admit i was surprised i certainly didn't expect this news today i don't know what to think about this and i think you know initially when when we all heard it it, it seems if you're a race fan this this might be a good idea because this sister city idea with montreal and the race has been pushed um, for like two and a half years now, and the Rays were seemed steadfastly behind it with Stu Sternberg. But what happened was Major League Baseball basically nixed the plan, from what I understand. Um, but it, in some ways, Mark, I think it creates maybe even more uncertainty about the future of the team in Tampa. Yeah, no doubt, Rick. I, I mean, I think it does because for all the people, and there were many who did not like this plan, the split city plan, sister city plan, whatever you want to call it, it was going to lead to a you know a long term probably twenty five or thirty year commitment to at least play part of the seasons here. Now, again, was that really going to work? Was how was it going to work? There were still many things to be sorted out and explained, and they thought they were going to you know make progress. They had been making progress with Jane Castor and working on the Ebor site. They thought the people in Montreal were making progress on a stadium up there. There still were going to have to be negotiations with the players' union and. Honestly, I think the biggest surprise here, Rick, is that of those four pieces, MLB approval, Tampa Bay approval, Montreal approval, union approval, I think they thought MLB was going to be the easiest piece of the puzzle. The first one allowed them to then go to these municipalities and dealing with, you know, county, city, state, and, you know, provincial and all the things they have to do up there in Canada. It's so many different things that they would be able to be in position to go forward. And instead, they never got past door number one when MLB said no. So that's, I think, what stunned them the most. 
You know, I, there was a there was a theory, and I, I think it's just that, but I'll I'll throw it at you. You know, obviously, Major League Baseball um, is in this negotiations for a new labor agreement, which we hope they reach sooner than later. Obviously, um, and there was a theory out there that well, maybe this is a concession or a nod to the union that we're going to kill this plan because somehow this this would not be well received by the players. So we'll go ahead and and this is one of our easier. Um, you know, sort of gifts uh, during this entire long negotiation process. And I don't think this is obviously something that was pressing because, I mean, we got a long way to go here, uh, even if it were to be approved. But you think there's any relation to this and the collective bargaining agreement? I mean, I, I really don't. I mean, obviously, there's a coincidence in the timing to this here and, and even the delay and the Rays had requested this permission in November and were told by MLB that they wouldn't be able to make a decision on it because of all the labor stuff they had in front of them. But, you know, a labor agreement usually runs five years. This plan wouldn't even go into effect till 2028. So it really didn't affect most of the current players, certainly not amongst the Rays. And I, I just don't think that. I mean, I think it was a topic of conversation, but I don't think like this was a big thing. And, and it also could have been taken off the table and brought back later if MLB thought there was going to be pushback mm-hmm. on it. I don't think it was that big a deal to where the union would have said, okay, you've got to take that off so we can now talk about more important things. I, so I, I don't buy that. I mean, I don't dispute that it was a topic of conversation, but I, I don't think that was the biggest reason. I think, as, as Sternberg alluded to, I think MLB not wanting to, to be the first to try this. And I also think that this was as complex as we all thought it was. It was probably even more complex when you actually broke it down, knowing what you were talking about. You know, like, you know, just, just like, for example, and just because we're, we're doing this, you know, in a podcast kind of radio format, you know, the Rays have a local radio contract here with WDAE as the flagship station. If they had gone through with this deal, they presumably would have had two more radio contracts, English language and French language in Montreal. So not only do you add those in, which would give the Rays a lot more revenue, but does that in any way like devalue the WDAE contract? And what about streaming services and, and things like that? And then you have the same issue with the television side. The Rays have their current deal. They presumably would have gotten one or two more deals in Montreal as well. So I think there's so many like layers of the onion type of uh, issues with this and, and territorial rights and obviously player compensation and scheduling and just so many factors to this that I think maybe as the owners got into it, you wonder if they didn't just think this is just too much. We just don't think this is going to work. You know, here's the thing. Um, the Rays and Stuart Sternberg were really committed to this. I mean, I don't need to tell you, you know, all, all the groups that they've talked to. Uh, if you remember the playoffs, they're going to put a sign in right field. That didn't go over so well. Um, but they had said that it was sort of their only option. They had kind of dismissed any chance. Um, of finding a stadium in, in, in anywhere in Tampa Bay, whether that was in the Pinellas side or the Hillsborough side. And, and they they have, you know, more than sort of, you know, suggested at least that if they do, if they couldn't make this two-city plan work, that they would probably have to go somewhere. So how do they, how does Sternberg now begin to sort of, you know, put the toothpaste back in the tube? I mean, he has spent a long time, uh, insisting that this is a no-go in this market. And now he says things like, well, we're going to pay attention to who's in the stands this year. What does that mean? I think it means that – I think that, to me, that was a clumsy attempt 
to kind of say we need to see better support this year. I mean, they averaged 9,500 fans last year. They won 100 games. Now, yeah. caveat, the first part of the year, we're under some serious COVID restrictions on attendance. And during the whole mm-hmm. year, obviously, people were concerned about going to indoor events. So I don't know that that's a fair number to, to kind of shove in people's faces. Uh, and I'm not saying they're doing that. I mean, it was it was brought up on the Montreal call with Stephen Bronfman as well, the leader of their group. But, you know, I, I think that that was, like I said, I think that was a little bit of a clumsy attempt by Sternberg to kind of say the attendance is going to matter as they kind of inform their plans going forward. But Look, there's definitely some walking back here. I think you could look at it two ways. One is, I think you could come away from today realizing if you didn't think the Rays were serious about this plan to split cities, to split the season, they really were. And, and I think their reaction today kind of proved that uh, and kind of how frustrated and annoyed that they were that this was shot down by MLB. But yeah, you also could look at it as now they have to kind of backtrack a little bit and they have to you know, go back to people and, and maybe that they did alienate and saying this market wasn't good enough to have a full-time team and kind of say, if nothing else, like, okay, we're open to it. We obviously don't have a choice here if we want to stay, which we do. Help us find a solution. Help us see why it is. I mean, I asked Sternberg a couple times today on his call, as did others, but, you know, what what is it that could make it different this time? And the couple things I took out of that, Rick, where he said, you know, the urgency that maybe, you know, because the clock is ticking, people do realize if they didn't think before this was a serious issue and a pressing matter, that they should realize it now. I mean, they probably have to have this figured out by this time next year to have a place to play in, on April 1st of 2028. Uh, I think also that Sternberg alluded to this, that, you know, there was some momentum to doing the stadium in Ebor. They hadn't come to an agreement yet, but Jane Castor, the mayor, seemed open to it. They seemed to have you know, a path to a financial agreement. They were willing to pay half of $700 million, which I know you're challenged in math, Rick. That's 350 So, wow. you know, I think that he thought maybe some positive momentum would carry over from that. And also just the fact that, you know, they continue to say they want to stay. Now, they didn't want to stay full-time, but they want to stay. And uh, uh, Steve Bronfman told a story on his call today, the Montreal guy, that when he first started talking to Sternberg, he said, why don't you just move the team here? And Sternberg said, no, I'm not taking the team out of the Tampa Bay market. And, you know, take him at his word for that if you want or, or don't if you don't want to. But, you know, I think that is consistent with what he has said publicly that he wants to keep the team based here. So there's some walking back to do. There's a little bit of hat in hand maybe. But there's also an opportunity. Like I talked to Tyler Glass now, the race player rep. And while the players don't talk about it much, I mean, his gut feeling was like this is a win for the Tampa Bay fans. Now they have a chance to make this happen. And, and kind of secure the future of the team. Yeah, and I, I do think, you know, it was interesting when you saw so many business leaders uh, sort of sign on, if you will. Um, you know, we saw this, you know, this ad or whatever you want to call it. Um, this Letter to the editor. Where there was, yeah, there you go. Um, I'm a newspaper guy. I know the terms, right? I, don't yeah, I, I thought so. come up with it. Uh, anyway, um, so, I mean, I looked at that one of two ways. I said, well... This is me talking in my mind, um, which is a scary place to be. But I said, now, if all these corporations uh, are, are you know, throwing their support to save baseball in Tampa, albeit for half a season, where had they been before this? In other words, would they be in this situation if the corporate community had bought the tickets, which is usually the case in Major League Baseball more so than the walk-ups? Um, and, 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 I, and, and that was one of the things Sternberg mentioned, that, well, maybe the – Maybe the corporate appetite has changed. The other thing is, Mark, and I don't need to tell you, people are moving down to Tampa Bay in droves. It's one of the 
um, fastest growing markets in the country right now. I would think baseball would want to hang on to that. And then the the biggest thing that I that, that surprised me a little bit was Sternberg is no longer hanging on to this has to be the perfect location thing. He merely wants a place in in Tampa Bay, and if and it seems as if they could make it happen on the Tropicana Field site, they'd go for that too. Yeah, I mean, I I think they would, but because that doesn't alleviate any of the other issues I, in my mind, I guess, which is also similarly to yours, probably not the greatest place to be bouncing around. Sometimes, right, right, three thirty four right. in the morning when you're wide awake, but um, mm. it since it doesn't alleviate any of the other issues, that would probably have to be like the most sweethardest of all the deals. Yeah, like, yeah, we'll pay you like that kind of a deal. But <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. L- let's say this allows them to kind of reset here for a minute, Rick. And and, and I, I mean this seriously. You grew up in this area. You, you're from a baseball family. Your dad, a legendary amateur coach. You played. I mean, you know, what if there was this reopened the conversation somehow? I'm not saying the reality, just the possibility of Al Lang Stadium or the Albert Witted site, yeah. a waterfront stadium in downtown St. Petersburg with all that's going on in downtown St. Pete now with all these condos and apartments and restaurants and shops that are opening. And what if it yeah. reopens that? What if it reopens some land uh, over in Tampa, similarly, you know, along the water there uh, in the channel side area, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe this somehow becomes a good thing in that it gets people to think creatively and think differently. And, you know, right. Maybe it doesn't lend itself to the perfect development opportunities. Maybe that's where they come off the, the pitch perfect site or, you know, do they have to maybe pinch a little on the roof? I mean, this the sale they were going to put over the stadium in 08 probably doesn't work, but there is new technology out there. Maybe there's a way to build a roof that doesn't cost an extra $500 million and need you to expand the footprint, which is part of the issue that they're facing now. So, you know, I think this does open up the chance for some fresh thinking here. And, and again, like the Rays or hate the Rays, but they've been very creative uh, as part of their success over these years. And I think that creativity can extend to this as well. And will there be people in the community to meet them halfway or, or somewhere in the middle? That's the other part. I think that the lack of leadership in the community, there there usually has to be a person, someone leading these type of drives, a company or a person who leads it and not not just a group that's always looking for someone else to do it. You know, everyone look forward and you're the one you know, who doesn't step back. Suddenly you're the leader. I mean, there needs to be someone who steps forward and, and takes this project on and tries to make it work. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And, and I don't, listen, I lived this with you on the desk next to me or a couple of desks away all those years after they built what then was the Thunderdome and then later Tropicana Field to attract Major League Baseball. And I remember, um, I took one trip to the old Comiskey Park, but I remember stadiums going up in not just Chicago, but also Seattle, San Francisco, Minnesota, in no small part, Mark, that you know how this stadium game is played. You need a dance partner. And it seemed like Sternberg was legitimately trying to keep at least half the season in Tampa Bay while moving the other half to Montreal. So he sort of had, he was sort of going back and forth between partners, I suppose. But do you think this ever gets done until or unless, and I know the hope is there, but until or unless Stuart Sternberg says, you know what? I'm going to look outside of Tampa Bay. I'm going to look at Charlotte. I'm going to look at Nashville. I'm going to look at these places, Portland, that might want to you know, build a stadium and have Major League Baseball. Um, that's the hope, obviously. It doesn't come to that. But with the t- sort of timetable you're talking about, I mean, that, that's always an option, right, for, for any owner that, that is in this stadium game. And it seems like – and Sternberg has tried to, t- tried to sort of thread the needle here um, – 
but it almost always comes to that in some respects. And, and that typically is what happens, Rick. That's kind of, uh, in fact, Sternberg used this phrase today. Essentially, that's kind of like, you know, you know, stadium relocation 101. I mean, there's, you know, team relocation yeah. 101. You threaten to leave. Uh, that's in the playbook. And then someone steps forward in the community. And that's certainly what the Marlins did. I remember following that story. And it was yeah. just the weirdest thing. Like, this thing was quiet. Marlins officials wouldn't confirm, you know, if the letter, the day of the week ended in Y or what color the sky was. And then suddenly, everyone covering the Marlins had a story saying they were going to be in San Antonio the next day looking at stadium sites. Like, it leaked to anyone who had a newsletter or a, a website or an abacus or something in, in South Florida. So, yeah, there's ways to do it, and it can get distasteful, and it can get ugly, and it doesn't always work. And we've certainly seen it in other sports, except for baseball, where there's been a number of relocations. And, and Sternberg, you know, in saying so today, he said, you know, people have told him to play that card. He's been reluctant to. He admitted maybe that's worked against him. He said he doesn't want to do it. He also said, you know, never say never. So does it have to come to that? Or can everyone realize, okay, let's just make like we're there anyway and try to work out a deal. Why wait till it comes to that? Because you yeah. don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if Charlotte or, or Raleigh or uh, Las Vegas, if they don't get the A's who are currently in that exploration process comes out and makes an incredible offer, Nashville, whomever it is, and suddenly you lose the team. So may, maybe that's another thing. You need a leap of faith here with, okay, we if you're a community leader, you know the Rays can play that card. If you're the Rays, you know you can play that card and it's going to get ugly. Just skip past that and try to get down and figure out a deal. Can it work? What's it going to cost? What's realistic? What sacrifices are you going to have to make in terms of location, in terms of bells and whistles, in terms of the roof quality or style, whatever it has to be? and find a way to make it happen. Are there other teams? I mean, we, you know, for years we know that the Oakland A's have had that situation out there. Are there other teams besides the race um, that are likely or, or looking to absolutely, you know, find a better solution than the one they have in their current cities? I mean, I think it's been Oakland and Tampa Bay have been kind of paired uh, for years yeah. now for, for a number of years. And, and like I said, Oakland is, has played the relocation card. They've got permission to explore Vegas. They're kind of, looking at that while they're also still trying to negotiate with Oakland and they are making some progress. So it, it looks like it may be working in Oakland. I don't think anyone else is at that point right now. I mean, there've actually been some rumblings as, as storied of a franchise as this is uh, the Orioles because their lease is, is coming due at Camden Yard and their ownership is likely to change. The Angelos family is probably going to sell at some point. So there has been some discussion about them, which is always a little surprising and, you know, outside of that, you would really just say, are any of the other small market teams, you know, likely to move? But usually those are your story teams, the Reds, the Royals, things like that. So probably not. And, and here's the benefit to Major League Baseball, if and when you get the Oakland and Tampa Bay situations resolved. You've got 30 teams. That's a terribly clunky number to operate with. 32 yeah. teams is an incredibly convenient number to operate with for scheduling purposes, division purposes especially if you're going to have expanded playoffs in this new labor agreement. And if a team like the Marlins can sell for $1.2 billion, and a team like the Rays could probably sell for $1.3, $1.4, maybe more, you could argue, without having a long-term stadium lease, you might be able to put a $2 billion price tag on these two expansion franchises. So there's some reward for all of MLB to get the Rays and A's situations resolved. No doubt about it. I remember when... 2023 seemed like a long time down the road, but that's the year um, that 
a new stadium would likely have to uh, deal for one anyway, would likely have to be in place um, with the uh, agreement for Tropicana expiring after the 2027 season, so the opening day, 2028, somewhere. So, my goodness, uh, there is a loud clicking clock going on in Sternberg's head and everybody else's. I don't know. I mean, one year, Mark, that is – that we know how fast a year goes, you and I do. So um, this is something that they're going to have to absolutely, you know, drill down every single day now because it's here. It's, it really is here. Yeah, I don't know if it has to be signed, sealed, and delivered by this yeah. time next year, but I think certainly they've got to be locked in, like you say, on a site or maybe two sites and have some options figure out if it is or isn't going to work here, and then, if not, start looking elsewhere, request that permission. And there's probably some outs to this, Rick, in that if they are going to move, they're probably moving to a market that has AAA baseball now or something akin to it. So there's probably a way to play a year or two in an interim stadium if they have to, if the new one isn't built yet. Uh, If they're staying here in the Tampa Bay area, depending on what relocation plan gets picked for Tropicana Field Site, Maybe there's an opportunity to extend the lease by a year or two at the trop if they need to. So there may be some wiggle room to this, but I don't think if you're if you're Sternberg, you don't want to have that conversation. You want people to think they have to have this figured out, and you have to have this figured out in the next year or so, so you can make some decisions. And and you know, is is it going to be in this area? And if so, how creative and innovative can the can it be to get it to happen? Both mayors have been receptive to keeping the raise. I think uh, Jane Castor, of course, and the new mayor of St. Petersburg. That's got to be a plus. Um, where where would they start, Mark? Would they go back to the Ebor site? Would they go back? I mean, Tampa would be preferable, I would think, to them. They're saying that everything's on the table, but um, you know, the, tomorrow's the first day of their their new existence, so to speak. Now that this two sister city deal is done, so uh, where where do you think they would even begin? I mean, I think ultimately. Tampa makes more sense. And I say that as a Pinellas person since I moved to this area in 1983. Uh, But I think you have to try the Tampa side because this Pinellas side hasn't worked. And, you know, is Mm -hmm. part of it the trop itself? Sure. Is part of it the location? Sure. Is part of it people from Tampa making a bigger deal about the commute than it probably is? Yes, sure. I think it's all those factors. It's amazing to me that when it's playoffs, suddenly the traffic isn't the big issue. And it's amazing to me how many people can come to downtown St. Pete for music festivals and, and can get to the beaches and stuff. So it, it's right. not any one thing, but it's enough things that it hasn't worked here. So my only you know exception to that would be if you could do it on the waterfront in St. Pete, then I think you have to kind of weigh the, yeah. the value of that from the, the beauty and the, the experience of that versus the inconvenience of coming to St. Pete. But otherwise, I think you have to try the Tampa side. Whether that's Ebor, whether that's Channel Side, you know, I've seen everything thrown out today. People throwing all kinds of ideas out. The old dog track, I think, out mm-hmm. by the Hard Rock has to be looked at. It's kind of the opposite model of teams building, you know, stadiums within the city now and have the walkable access and the developments around it. This would be more of the Kansas City model, which you're familiar with, where they've got the baseball and football stadiums kind of out in the middle of nowhere, but it's where two interstates cross. And for a team that draws from, what, a four or five state area like the Chiefs and the Royals do, that's a pretty smart place to put your ballparks because a lot of people can get there with a lot less hassle than they would trying to get into a downtown. Add in that baseball, like other pro sports, is leaning heavily into gambling right now. 
some stadiums. I mean, Wrigley Field is going to have a gambling parlor once they get all the logistic angles of that worked out and the legal angles of that worked out in Illinois. So if you partnered with the Hard Rock and there's land right there and you've already got a little overpass or you build an overpass or something, like maybe there's some way that that all could happen too. So I think it allows a number of possibilities. Yeah, gambling is certainly going to change uh, sports as we know it. It's happening in the NFL. Those franchise values are going to double probably in the next uh, 10 to 20 years uh, when that happens. Mark, I'll, let, I'll get you out on this one. Um, and, and obviously, um, I mean, we're still counting down the days till the start of spring training, this labor agreement. I haven't heard much uh, much talk or movement. That's probably um, you know, par for the course uh, until you have an actual deadline. But there's so much at stake. Uh, for both the owners and the players, especially during a COVID era, um, the thought of, of an abbreviated season doesn't seem appetizing to either side. So do you think this deal gets done and that we start on time in spring training? I mean, Rick, I, 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 people laugh, and my wife certainly laughs when I say this, that I, I'm going to be naive about this. But, yeah, I do think it has to get done because you've had – Two previous seasons now impacted from the owner standpoint by attendance limits. No fans in 2020, limited attendance at the first part of 21, and, and still some reluctant yeah. fans that stayed away throughout the 21 season. You had players mm-hmm. who only got 37% of their salaries in 2020. You had players who were literally priced out of you know jobs and, and saw overall salaries drop dramatically uh, for all but the elite level players in 2021. So both sides have been impacted for two consecutive seasons now, COVID-related issues. Yeah. Do they really want to have that in a third season impacted financially? Do players want to lose some of their salary by not having mm. a full season? Do owners want to lose some of their gates by not having a full season? I mean, there's just part of me that thinks they can't. it can't be that big of a thing. The, the issues to be negotiated all seem to be money-related, and you can slide this around and slide that around and make it work. So... I, I just think they've got to find a way to make a deal. I've talked to a couple of race players this week for a story that's probably run next week or so. And, you know, the couple of guys I've talked to already, totally on board with the unions doing. No dissent at all. But also, Rick, just that kind of basic, I hope this gets worked out because I really want to get playing. I want to get on the field. I'm ready to go. we got to get this figured out sooner than later. Let's hope. Let's hope. So I, I while they are holding, you know, the line for what their union tells them to do, these guys want to get on the field. That's what they want to do, especially older players. I mean, you you know, you don't have yeah. that many years in the game, and football obviously even a shorter span. But in baseball, these guys want to get back out there. They want to play. That's what they do. They haven't had a normal season for a couple of years now, and they want to have one. Yeah, it certainly has affected them and pitchers and everything else going forward. Well, he's Mark Topkin. You can read all about the Rays and their situation. The Sister City deal is dead by Major League Baseball's own hand. We'll see what's next for the Rays, and uh, hopefully we're talking about, I don't know, the Rays with another 100-win season here pretty soon. Who's to say? But, uh, Mark, we appreciate your time. Have a good – How's it? by the way, do you got any advice for Bruce Arians with his Achilles? Because I think he might be headed your direction. <laughs> I'm impressed that he uh, hobbled across the field the other day with that ice pack on the back of the foot. That was a good move. I mean, I, I had the surgery in November. It was eight weeks on a scooter. Uh, wow. been two weeks into just the boot now, and it's like the heaviest boot that they have. Uh, but I, I will I will share the news of this breakthrough. A little breaking news bulletin here was that at physical therapy yesterday, they let me put my sneaker on the right foot. First time I've had that since November wow. 4th. And uh, it took about 10 steps or so in a little you know wooded walkway with some parallel bars there. But 
actually kind of walked yesterday. So it, t- tell Bruce there is hope at the end there. But if you have the surgery, make sure your Netflix and other subscriptions are paid up because you spend a lot of dang time sitting on the couch. Yeah, I bet you do. Well, we're glad you're going to be ready for spring training, and hopefully it's on time, and we'll see you out there soon, uh, sooner than later. Mark, thanks so much. Have a good night. Thank you. All right, Rick. One event that is staying in downtown St. Petersburg, well, that's the 18th Annual Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg presented by RP Funding. It kicks off Florida's spring break season with some high-speed excitement. Go visit gpstpete.com for race information and tickets. Another racing season starts in St. Petersburg. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, so a little game this Sunday, Bucks versus Rams in the NFC Divisional Playoff game. Uh, if you missed it, by the way, and you want to get a little more information on the Rams, we're going to talk about them, of course. But uh, we had a chance to sit down, sit down, had a chance to call Sam Farmer, uh, of the LA Times. He's a great columnist out there. Always an entertaining interview. And we talked a lot of uh, about the Los Angeles Rams, about Sean McVay, and of course Matthew Stafford and all those guys. And what he thinks the uh, chances are here of the Rams coming in and beating the Buccaneers. Um, so entertaining conversation. Go back and check that out from Thursday's podcast. So a little update. Let's start with the injuries. Uh, not much is known about Tristan Wirfs at this point. I personally don't think we will know anything until maybe game time. This seems like, unless they rule him out on Friday, which is possible, but it seems like something that they would wait, uh, have him chested out on Saturday, maybe even before the game on Sunday, assuming there's any chance at all. Um, some good news, I guess, on uh, on Thursday was that Leonard Fournette, the Bucks running back, he did do some things out there uh, on the field, and it's still going to be whether or not he can run at full speed. Um, I, I'm kind of encouraged, but then last week I would have told you he probably would play. I think maybe they held him out for one more week thinking that uh, you know they could handle the Philadelphia Eagles, and they did with Keyshawn Vaughn, with Giovanni Bernard coming back, I think was huge, and they left Le'Veon Bell on the bench in case one of those guys got hurt, but they certainly could go that way again, but I think uh, – I think they're pretty optimistic about someone like Leonard Fournette. Uh, we had Ryan Jensen uh, did some things in practice as well. I think he's going to be okay. He finished the game the other day with a sprained ankle. Uh, you know, not so sure about Brashard Perriman. He's had this hip situation, I guess. Uh, you know, he's been sort of limited at best or not practicing. So the receiver situation is interesting. I think – that John Brown, the former Cardinal, 31 years old, that got signed earlier uh, this week, I think he's going to end up being active and maybe even playing a role uh, in this game. He still has some retention of the Cardinals' offense and um, you know, a guy, obviously, that Bruce Arians feels very comfortable with. We'll see how fast he can get up to speed with Tom Brady. Um, but this is going to be, as we knew, a difficult game. It's going to be even more difficult if they can't get their entire offensive line back together. Uh, they have some options there. Um, you know, I think the good news is that Josh Wells 
is practicing. He was someone that was kind of nicked up as well with uh, uh, sort of a, I guess, I don't know if it was an abdominal issue or something that was going on. Oh, it was a quad, a quad issue that was going on with him. He gutted it out the other day, but he was practicing. So, um, you know, at least having maybe a Josh Wells to play right tackle would certainly be uh, more preferred than an Alex Kappa or Nick Leverett. Um, so I think, you know, that part of it's looking good. And, you know, really when it comes to, to the Bucks and, and Tom Brady in particular, like we've seen them sort of go on these revenge tours, right? I mean, they lost uh, twice last year to the New Orleans Saints, but at this very game they went to New Orleans uh, and they upset the, the Saints in that game and, of course, continued on, um, you know, the next week to the championship game and upset Green Bay. But, uh, you know, they – they have they lost to the Rams uh, twice now. I mean, they've lost you know two years in a row. The Rams came here last year and won a three point game. Uh, you know they lost out there thirty four twenty four as we mentioned. But you remember a year ago, in addition to the Saints, they had lost to the Kansas City Chiefs by a field goal after the Rams, and of course they got them in the Super Bowl thirty one to nine. And I guess the point of all this is that both teams have so have changed so dramatically since September in terms of just who's available to them, right? I mean, the Rams have lost receivers. Um, they've added, you know, someone like Odell Beckham Jr. Um, you know, they, they seem to be a little more focused, at least in the last game, uh, you know, sort of running the football, which uh, is something that, that is going to help out Matthew Stafford. Because Stafford, you know, if you, if you re- could, could take away last, last week's game, right, and they played very, very well against a, a very, I thought, undermanned Cardinals team and overwhelmed as well, um, you know, it, I mean, it, it just wasn't a well-played game by Arizona, to say the least. And they struggled down the stretch. But if you take away that game, the four previous games, Matthew Stafford had thrown eight interceptions. And so, while he had a good game, uh, three touchdown passes, he only attempted 17 passes in the entire game. So they were able to sort of play around Matthew Stafford. And, you know, the, the point of the matter is, is that, the Arizona Cardinals are not showing up on Sunday. Um, that's that's not going to be here. Uh, so, you know, uh, while Cam Akers and Sonny Michelle and those guys took some pressure off of Stafford, he's going to have to go against this Bucks defense. It's about as healthy as they've been all year. Uh, we didn't see Sean Murphy Bunting doing much on Thursday. Again, he's another guy that's sort of uh, questionable at best as to whether he will play. Um, but, you know, the rest of the defense is intact, including Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul, and most importantly, maybe Levante David, who really helps out Devin White, makes him a better player, helps the whole rotation in the the front seven because you've got guys like Joe Tryon, Shoinka, and Anthony Nelson that have played a lot of football now uh, coming off the bench and really providing, you know, some some really good reps because those guys benefited, um, you know, from from starting games and playing games. And so I think as a football team, as a defense um, They've, they've become deeper. They've become more experienced. And so, you know, when those guys have to rotate out of there, they're, they're, I think they're going to be better. Um, and it all comes down, as it always does, you know, sort of to, to Tom Brady and whether or not, um, you know, he can bounce back from what was not a great performance. I think people get confused. You know, when you look back at that game in September, I mean, Tom, you know, it's not ideal for him to throw it almost 50 times. I mean, you never want that situation. Uh, and yet that was a 7-7 game until the very end of the second quarter uh, when the Los Angeles Rams went down and scored on, a, I think, a two-yard 
touchdown uh, pass to Cooper Cup. And then they got the ball because they had won the coin toss. They got the ball to start the second half. And, you know, so it's a one-score game, 14-7, to and the Bucks come out. They stone them on first down, stone them on second down. It's third and 10, and Matthew Stafford drops back. And you're thinking, okay, at minimum, um, they're going to get good field position and they can get off the field here in third and 10. Well, not only did they not get off the field, well, they did, but in the wrong way. Uh, they had a coverage bust. I mean, just absolute bust on Deshaun Jackson, who caught the ball from Matthew Stafford and then ran the rest of the way. 75-yard touchdown. And really, from then on, they were in chase mode. I mean, the Bucks were in chase mode. And they were two scores down. So that's how you got Tom Brady throw, throwing so many passes. Um, that's why they had so few rushing attempts. And that's not the plan. That is never the plan to go in against a good football team. You want to control the tempo. You want to get a lead. You want to be able to mix the run in the pass and not be one-dimensional. It'll be the Bucks' defense's job to try to put Stafford in that position by stopping Cam Akers and, and Sonny Michel. Um, but, you know, Brady uh, talked a lot on Thursday sort of about, you know, their ability to, you know, learn from games uh, against teams that they have just played and, you know, how each game is its own individual game. Um you know, it, it it really doesn't matter, as he said, what happened in September when they played them last. He said it's it's about this game and what they learned from the last one. And I think the Bucks benefited, and, and to some extent the Rams did too, of being on the grass with these guys and understanding what they're about and understanding what Raheem Morris wants to do. Still a tough system to, to sort of crack because, I mean, this Rams team, they, they play zone, but they play matchup zone. So a lot of times, you know, um, those receivers are well covered. It's not the traditional big windows that you're going to get. Um, but at, at least Tom Brady has has, has been through this. Um, they've got good players on all three levels. I mean, you're talking about adding a guy like Vaughn Miller uh, to an Aaron Donald. Um, you know, uh, it, it is a good group, especially up front with Leonard Floyd, uh, who is from Lakewood, Lakewood, of course, high school. Um, so they've, they've got the whole package, but uh, I would just caution everybody that thinks that, you know, hey, we've seen this before. We've seen the Bucks play the Rams and get beat and get beat pretty handily and think that it's going to go exactly the same way on either side um, because this is its own game and it's winning or grow home. And pressure does funny things to people. Um, you know, there is, you know, they're, they're taking a long fight back to Los Angeles, but, you know, are, are they going to have more games to play? Um, do they have a chance to do what Tampa Bay did and play, you know, the Super Bowl in their home stadium? So plenty of pressure on them, plenty of pressure on the Bucks as well. I, I just think this is going to be, to me, uh, a really good game. And, and I'm telling you, even though uh, they will, the biggest key will be they will know. I mean, can you imagine, Steve, if somehow San Francisco were to upset Green Bay? I mean, it would be a benefit for both teams, right? Because they would know that whoever wins is going to host the MC Championship. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be huge for the Buccaneers to go into that game knowing that all three playoff games to get to the Super Bowl would be right here in Tampa. Well, I mean, we talked about, you know, last season the Bucs went three road games in the playoffs, but you had no fans or limited fans in all those venues. Correct. We know how much how better, much better the Bucs play at home this year compared to the road. Mm-hmm. They've done it all year that way. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons I like them in this game Sunday being a home game, 
you put the NFC Championship game at home for the Bucks, and you really like their chances to get back to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just the fact, you know, I mean, and and I, you know, we're assuming, or I'm assuming that I, I think Green Bay is going to win that football game. It's not a, a foregone conclusion. I mean, San Francisco has played great. Jimmy Garoppolo is beat up to say the very least, but Debo Samuel's been running all over the place, and I don't think that the Packers do a good job of stopping the run. Um, but what's not to love about not having to go back up into the cold and snow. And I think, you know, it's very unlikely the weather will be anything like it was a year ago and we know they'll have fans. Uh, So that certainly changes the entire atmosphere. So yeah, if the bucks were to go into the game, knowing that when not only are you still in the championship, but it's in your backyard as, as good as this team has been at home over the past two years, I mean, they're they're eight and one this year, including the playoffs. Um, you know, they were really, really good a year ago. If you take out the New Orleans game, which nobody can, um, but New Orleans isn't in the tournament. So, uh, I you know, home cooking matters in in the postseason, and I think it will again. So, looking forward to the game. I mean, I I you know sort of don't have a prediction. I'm bad about predictions. I would have told you that last week's game was going to be closer. And then when I got there and I realized that these are the Eagles and that they're not ready uh, to really take this step, you know, they would not have made the playoffs under the old format. Um, they certainly weren't, you know, good enough uh, to take on the, the Super Bowl champions with some of the guys coming back on defense. I, I kind of feel like, I mean, I think either one of these teams, if they win this game, could beat Green Bay and could play in the Super Bowl. That's how strongly I feel about the two of them. Um, I'm just not... Even you know if, if the Packers host that NFC Championship game, they got everything on their side. There's no question about it. Uh, the weather, Lambeau, Aaron Rodgers, all that. I I think there's going to be immense pressure on them to win. Not that there isn't pressure on everybody. You know, I mean, the Bucks did win a Super Bowl a year ago. Uh, the Rams was in one, were in one a few years ago against Tom Brady and lost. Um, they have traded all their draft picks away, their first round picks for the next three years. So you know, Matthew Stafford is here to win. Just do just that. Win a Super Bowl for him. Um, and so there's pressure on everybody, right? I mean, if you're in the game, you want to win it. But I, I think that the winner of this game could upset Green Bay and go to the Super Bowl. And if it's Los Angeles, what a story, right? Two years in a row, uh, only they'll have fans, uh, you know, the, the home team or the team going home uh, to their home stadium to play in the Super Bowl would be just amazing if it happened back-to-back. But we will see. We'll see how it turns out. Um, I I, I tend to think if the Bucks are going to win, their defense will win the game. If the Bucks are going to win, what we'll be talking about on Monday, Steve, is that Matthew Stafford couldn't pull it off. That Matthew Stafford turned back into Detroit's Matthew Stafford. And, and I think it's unfair, but it could happen. And threw them a couple touchdowns or a couple turnovers. And to me, that's what's going to be the difference in this game if Tampa wins. I, I agree with you. It, look, if they're going to win this game, it's going to be – the defense, Devin White is going to need to have a big game, the defensive line. Uh, but you're going to need to see that secondary make some plays too. And, mm-hmm. and having most of that secondary back healthy, I mean, we don't know with Sean Murphy bunting, but right. you've got Davis, you've got Winfield, you've got Whitehead. Um, and we've like seen the last couple weeks, you've talked about this earlier in the season, when they were missing Whitehead for a, a period of time in the season, mm-hmm. how different that defense is, particularly against the run, oh, yeah. and how yeah. important he is back there at, at safety. Um, it, it's going to be the defense that needs to win them this game. You know, Tom yeah. Brady's going to have to do what he does, but mm-hmm. it, the defense is going to need to make a play or two, probably more than that. But you know, one that you're really talking about come Monday morning. 
that if, if they're got to get advance. stops. Yeah, you got to get stops. You got to get the ball back to Brady. You got to let him build a lead, uh, and then you can play accordingly. And then you know Tom Bowles, of course. Stafford has been better against the blitz than any quarterback in the league just about this year. Uh, and so Bowles has to kind of measure and pick his spots as to when he's going to bring pressure, but he likes to bring it about 40% of the time. The fact is when you do that, you expose yourself on the back end, can give up some big plays in the passing game. But I'm with you. I think this secondary banging back together, uh, Jordan Whitehead, even Mike Edwards, who has tremendous ball skills, um, had the big interception last week. Uh, you know, obviously Antoine Winfield Jr., but, you know, you're okay with Jamel Dean. Uh, you're certainly okay or better than okay with Carlton Davis. And I think the Rams are going to miss the guy like Robert Woods that they had the first week, you know. Um, the Bucks haven't stopped Cooper Cup in the three games of the last three years that they played him. He's averaged 10 catches for 120 yards and a touchdown every single time he plays them. Todd Bowles said on Thursday that, you know, the biggest thing is he's still going to get his catches, but you got to tackle him. You know, five-yard uh, receptions can't become 15, and 15 can't become 50. Uh, that's sort of what has happened when they played Cooper Cup, and um, they got to find a way to do that. But if they can, if they can muster up the sort of performance that they had a week ago, or anything resembling what they did in playoffs last year, uh, I think that's when Tom Brady and them are going to be at their best. Uh, we'll talk about the Lightning. Uh, they have a couple games, of course, uh, coming up this weekend. But first, the 18th annual Firestone Grand Prix of St. Pete, presented by RP Funding, it's going to happen this February 25th, coming right up. To the 27th, uh, this is a tremendous race, and, and uh, anybody that's been around knows that it's one of the most beautiful locations uh, in, really in the world to have this race. Uh, go to GP St. Pete. That's gpstpete.com. gpstpete.com for all the race information and tickets. All right, Steve, the uh, Lightning continuing their West Coast trip. You know, uh, it's interesting. I didn't think that that many or any of those California teams would be necessarily in the mix for some of the better teams this year but they're all they're all playing okay right i mean they're all yeah they're all i think better than all okay. three are in a playoff spot at this point last year they were three of the worst teams in hockey so they've yeah. all they've all improved quite a bit uh anaheim just played colorado on wednesday night pretty tough they lost two nothing uh, but played that game well and colorado's the best team in the west uh you know so they're in anaheim tonight they're in san jose tomorrow night so it's a back-to-back and San Jose is always a tough trip in. Um, it just, it just the, where the airport is and everything there. So uh, it's a, that's a tough back to back. You would have liked to have seen maybe the LA and the Anaheim games be back to back and a couple days off before San Jose or whatever. But that's not the way the schedule works out. So late night with the Bolts, ten o'clock tonight, ten thirty on Saturday night. So all right, should be great. And then they come back home, have a few days, and crick, uh, crank it up again at uh, Emily Arena. So. Uh, should be fun. My thanks uh, again to Mark Topkin. Of course, I'm sure there'll be lots of uh, more Ray news and state Ray's news and steam news coming down the pike. We really appreciate him hopping on with us for a few minutes. Enjoy the football games. It should be a tremendous weekend. We're down to the final eight by what Sunday night. We'll be down to the final four. We'll have our championship uh, contenders here. It should be really exciting. And, uh, you know, we'll see if the Buccaneers can get back to the NFC title game and have a chance to go back-to-back to the Super Bowl. Can't wait for that. So, for Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud the Tampa Bay Times. Have a terrific weekend, everybody. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.